All right, everybody. We are on the line with Mike Finch. He hosts the Mike Finch MMA show, and he's also one half of the money line, which happens every week, breaking down the best UFC cards in any UFC card and Bellator car and bare knuckle fighting championship card all in the same. How you doing, Mike? I'm good, man. Excited to talk about this UFC card here. Excited to see Darren Till back. Excited to see Patty Pimblett get tested. And yes, sir, I, I definitely jump around with these organizations. I actually work for Bellator. Right. And uh, they fly me out to go do interviews. And then for Bare Knuckle Fighting Championships, I host BK Bets. We're just on our third episode now, working directly for them. You guys could check that out on the BKFC app. And then that's right, Mike Finn Show is my YouTube show. And then Moneyline, I host with AJ DeVito. So. All types of content for you crazy people. Of course, of course. And man, uh, we're going to be breaking down UFC 282, Prohaska versus Teixeira 2. I mean, the card is stacked. I mean, you look at the prelims. I mean, you could take most of these prelims and throw them on a main card and get a solid fight night card just from the prelims. It's kind of like UFC 280, similar thing with 281. And uh, man, there's so many high-level fights on this card. Break down this card with me. I, I thought, let me glance at the card. Again. <laughs> I looked at it. I'm like, I don't need to prepare a single note for this whole main card. I know everybody so well. Right. You know, I, I generally do my tape studies the the night before and, and get some extra details for the Moneyline show I host. But uh, with this main card, I'm like, yeah, let's let's do it, man. Let's get right in because it is definitely uh, there's name value, but also the matchups are pretty good. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, just the main card will. I mean, you got Gustafson on the prelims, which I thought I heard that that fight had gotten canceled, didn't he? I thought he pulled out of it. Is it still? But it's still on. Was it his last fight he got injured in? You know, I would have to check that as well. Um, you know, Gustafson obviously was at the freaking top of the game, mm -hmm. main event type fighter. And then, um, you know, it had some hiccups, uh, you know, ended up getting smashed by John Jones, armbarred by Fabricio Verdum, mm -hmm. knocked out by Krell. Right? He, he, had, he had some bad goes. So it's just crazy to hear you say prelims. Gustafson <laughs> on the prelims? I can't believe this is reality. Yeah, man. I remember going into that Verdum fight when I broke it down. I thought Gustafson was going to have like a showcase performance. I thought he was going to light him up on the feet, keep him at a distance, stay away from the takedowns, and get a Teixeira-style knockout. Like going into that fight, I was so heavy on Gustafson, and he just got, once it hit the ground, it was it was a wrap, which we knew going up against Verdum that if it hit the floor, he was going to be done. But I, man. Yeah, man, it's crazy. And then you look at the last pay-per-view. I mean, dude, I, I, well, I listened to your guys' show as well. And the one thing I said, because I had a bunch of friends asking me, they were like, you're so stupid for picking Pereira. Like, how can you pick him? And I was like, look, dude. I'm like, look, dude, 
Adesanya's got to be perfect for 25 minutes. Pereira's got to be perfect for one shot. And that's basically how the fight played out. I mean, if you go back and watch it, that's literally, he was getting outclassed. I mean, he won the second round, getting that takedown to secure it. But other than that, I mean, it was Izzy's fight, and he was running away with it, in my opinion. Of course, man. Yeah, just like Kamaru Usman was, was yep. running away with the fight, you know, against Leon Edwards. Um, something people don't bring up in that fight is that Adesanya rocked Pahea's yep. world, man. Poetan was on wobbly legs. He got absolutely cracked at the end of the round. It's too bad there weren't a few more seconds in that round because it just seemed like Adesanya might have been able to make something happen. Sort of similar thing happens to Adesanya. He gets cracked a little bit. He gets uh, caught on the fence, which, by the way, that's the other thing I think people miss about that fight. Mm -hmm. It was all about geography, bro. Yeah. The mm -hmm. way Poetan was able to walk him down in that cage, um, and, and if you listen to Adesanya, he said it was because of the calf kicks. He couldn't really get away from him, couldn't mm -hmm. really use his footwork like I expected him to, and by the time the fifth round came, he was so stuck on that fence that he just could not get away from those missiles that were coming at him from Poetan. What an impressive performance, and it was cool to uh, see one of Poetan's coaches at the last Bellator event here. I got him some pizza, and we got to talk about the fight a little bit. They're so excited for him to win that UFC title. You know, it really is a crazy story. The guy's on what, his seventh MMA mm -hmm. fight, and he's the champ in 2022. That really doesn't happen. Dude, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, going into the fight, if you go back and you watch the, the, fight, the punch that started the finish, it was like the exact same setup that he used against Sean Strickland. It was a jab to the body. Izzy was kind of trying to circle away. And then as he circled, he loaded up that rear hip and just launched that left hook. And once that first left hook landed, dude, he, he was out of it. Yeah, that, that's for sure, man. Yeah, po Poetan is. I mean, both of them actually can crack. But uh, Poetan is like, you know, the Terminator. I don't know. It's scary to fight that guy. One of, like Rob Whitaker said, one of the biggest middleweights ever. Yeah, he reminds me a little bit of uh, like a Brazilian version of, you ever seen the movie Split with James McAvoy? <laughs> Dude. No, but that was hilarious reference. Dude, okay, so if you go back and watch the end of the movie, he like, he's got like split personality disorder, but at the end of the movie, he like transforms into this like super muscular, just jacked, like really tall version of himself. And they called it like the beast. And I swear if it was Brazilian and had tattoos, it would be Alex Pereira. He's the beast, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah, he's he's one of one, dude. He's an interesting guy. Um, look, man, I know everybody's super high on him. I think 40-something-year-old Chael Sonnen could come out of retirement and beat this dude. This dude is one-dimensional. He looks not that great off of his back. Um, him getting taken down by Adesanya. If he did get taken down, I got to rewatch it. I know he was on his back. However they ended up there, it was definitely a thing where I think that Poetan has a lot more work to do in the grappling department. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I think, uh, like, going into this fight, I mean, he obviously had the experience going up against Izzy in kickboxing before, but MMA with the cage, and like you said, the geography and the cage control is different from fighting in a ring and kickboxing. But, um, yeah, I agree. I think, like, I think a Marvin Vittori could give him a lot of problems. I think, I think Whitaker can give him some trouble, but I think Whitaker would be a little bit more, like, he would be more eager to strike with him, I feel like. And I think that's just a recipe for disaster at middleweight or light heavyweight. I honestly think striking-wise, if he was up to go up to 205, like, he could knock out anybody there, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, man. I 
think I think he would be. He's a really bad matchup for Yuri Prohaska. Yep. Yep, that's that's the one thing I was kind of hoping. I was thinking about this after um, Yuri, or I'm sorry, I was thinking about this after Alex won. I was like, man, if Yuri goes and knocks out Glover, and the story's already there for Alex to go up to 205 and be like, well, you beat, you know, you beat my coach, you beat my training partner, like, let's run it. 205 Pereira. Pereira Prohaska. I mean, I don't really want to see it right now because Alex has to defend the belt and obviously give Izzy that rematch if they're going to do it. But I think Prohaska and Pereira is a crazy fight. Yeah, that's just a fun one, man. And I think the UFC sort of on board with making those fun fights with Pahea. They didn't give him Derek Brunson. They didn't give him, a, you know, a wrestler who's going to, uh, you know, try to beat him that way. They're just kind of matching him up in fights that are fun. You know, this Bruno Silva matchup, the Sean Strickland matchup, the Adesanya matchup. He's going through strikers. So just important to note for people as they get super hyped up on this guy. Like, he's one of the best strikers in the world. And uh, and, and it's, it's yet to be seen whether he's, you know, the best MMA fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and then last thing on Poetan. You can punch him in the face, dude. Like, he keeps his hands pretty low. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll predict that at least some point in his UFC career, he's going to get knocked out because he just seems kind of primed for an overhand right. Mm-hmm. I know people give so much credit to kickboxers, but the, the, the history of kickboxers coming into MMA and getting knocked out is really long. And uh, Poetan brings that style as well. His hands are low. He's got a big-ass head up there. He's tall. I feel like an overhand right is is bound to hit him at some point. That being said, I mean his, his hooks and his 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 ability to press people and knock them out is probably second to none as well. Yeah, and a uh, perfect example: Khalil Roundtree and Gokan Saki. I don't think anybody expected Bangkok ready Khalil to come in there and wipe the floor with Gokan in that fight. That's right. That's right. I mean, you can just keep going, man. I mean, Mark Hunt, uh, mm-hmm. Alistair Overeem. I mean. Uh, you know, the, the list goes on and on. You know, all a lot of K1 legends have come into MMA to find out that MMA fighters can strike too. Yeah, man. Didn't Mark Hunt just fight recently? And he, like, won a boxing match? And won. Yeah. yeah. Good for him, man. Yeah. Good for old man, Mark. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, we were talking about the middleweight division, so let's start it out with the prelim in the middleweight division between top 15 ranked guys. You got the number nine ranked Darren Till and the number 13 ranked Drykus Stillnox Duplessis. I mean, I'll let you start us off. What are your thoughts on the matchup overall? Man, I am so excited to see Darren Till back. Who knows what his grappling is going to look like having trained with Hamzat Shemaev mm-hmm. all this time. I really have no idea. I know Darren Till battled some injuries. I know he got a little heavy. And, um, you know, so I, I would love to see him in, in a great fight where he bounces back with a big victory. You know, if you look actually deeply here, since 2018, he's gone what? Uh, he beat Kelvin Gaslam in a really close decision. Yep. And then the other fights he's lost, he lost to Tyron Woodley. He lost to Jorge Masvidal. He lost to Robert Whitaker. He lost to Derek Brunson. So although Darren Till is a huge name, I don't consider him like one of these top five guys. Like I hear people talk about him this way. Mm-hmm. But uh, it would be really nice to see him bounce back after this long layoff. He has not fought this this year. He has not fought in over a year. And now they're going to give him Drickus Duplessis. Bro, <laughs> Drickus Duplessis is 
explosive, man. Totally the opposite story. He has been on a freaking run. He's gone to the UFC and gone 3-0, and but, you know, he was finishing fights before he got to the UFC. And, um, man, Drickus Duplessis is dangerous. I, I, I'm surprised they decided to go with Duplessis until. So I'll say this. I think Duplessis could put him away on the feet. I think Duplessis could win a decision on the feet, and I think it'll be up to Darren Till to show us if if that training with Hamzad is really coming to play. Can he score a takedown or two? Can he make this a mixed martial arts fight? Mm-hmm. If Darren Till does his usual thing and kickboxes on the outside, I've got to go with Duplessis in this one, man. Yeah. No, I I agree with what you're saying, and I, I yeah, I, I, can, I agree with what you mean with the uh, people kind of over-hyping Darren Till at this point. Like you said, got the win over Kelvin Gastelum. In my opinion, he looked good against Whitaker. I mean, he caught him stepping in with that beautifully timed elbow. And it was a competitive fight, but you could clearly tell that, you know, Whitaker was going to get the decision. And, you know, going up against Duplessis, I think, obviously, the technical skill side is going to be on the side of Till. I mean, he's he's going to be in and out. If he can keep it at that kicking range or just outside a kicking range, I think he gives Duplessis a lot of problems. But the thing is, like you said, he's explosive. Duplessis will run in and throw stance switching combinations like nobody's business. And that's exactly how he caught um, when he caught Trevin Giles at 264. You know, he had just gotten rocked. He's up against the cage. It looks like Giles is about to put him out. And he just lunges in with that straight shot and knocks Trevin Giles out cold. And in the fight against Brad Tavares, I mean, Tavares is a very, very technical striker. He went five rounds without Asanya. You know, even though it wasn't necessarily competitive, he looked good. He looked like he was in the fight. And I feel like going up against a guy like Tavares, I would say that Tavares at this point in his career might be a little bit better than Darren Till. And I don't think he's better skill for skill wise, but just you see the losses and and all these losses that Till's gone through. I think if Till can keep it at his distance and keep it on the outside and get that outside foot as a southpaw, you keep that outside foot, you use those lead hooks and the straight shots, he can pick apart Duplessis because he can get hit. But I feel like Duplessis, like you said, with that power and explosiveness, and he does have the ability to go for submissions and try to get some takedowns. I think at this point I'm on the side of Duplessis just like you, but I could see Till, you know, if he's on, he can keep it at that distance and pick him apart. And Till's fought the better guys, you know. Yeah. I mean, the, those those losses I mentioned, come on, Robert Whitaker. Right. Like, these are these are top of the food chain guys he's lost to, and Duplessis has never seen opposition like that across no. the cage. This will be the biggest fight of Duplessis' life. But something that is is real, and I disagree with uh, Dominic Cruz about this, is ring rust, man. I think yeah. when you're when you're out of that cage, your timing is not going to be perfect. Generally, when you come back for your first fight, and especially a guy who's bad some injuries like Darren Till, hate to say it, but yeah, we're, we're doubling down on Duplessis. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like, I would love to see Darren Till come in, and if he comes in here and gets a finish over Duplessis, then I think we have to take him a little bit more serious, and I've always been a fan of Darren Till. I picked him to beat Woodley. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people picked him to beat Woodley at that point because they were riding the hype of Till, um, but yeah, I just don't see it. I picked him to beat Brunson. I thought Brunson was a really, really good matchup for Till style-wise. And he just, like, he landed a few shots. He hurt him at one point. But other than that, I mean, the takedown defense was non-existent. But maybe working with Hamza, his takedown defense is going to be better. He has the skills, but I just don't think he can get it done at this point. Yeah, 
Yeah, man. I, again, I, I think the UFC could have given him a, a fight that would be, you know, where he's a favorite, man. Like, let, let him come back. You know, in, in the boxing world, when Tyson Fury was, you know, fat and he came back and he wanted to fight uh, Deontay Wilder, he didn't start with big fights. He started fighting, you know, fights where he was a big favorite. And you kind of get some wind in your sails again. And uh, Drittus Duplessis is just not the guy for that job. No, absolutely not. So we're both riding with Duplessis. You think he gets a finish or you think it's a decision? You know, I'm on the fence about that one. You guys will have to, to touch base with me uh, on, on Moneyline when I break that one down. I don't know. I, I'm going to, with, with, with you right here, I'm going to go ahead and say decision. But, dude, Drickus Duplessis blitzes people, man. Yep. He even kind of picks his chin up, which scares me a little bit. Yeah, comes over the top. But, uh, you know, that's actually how Jorge Masvidal got until out of there. But, um, you know, when, when, when Drickus Duplessis blitzes, you better get the hell off the train tracks. You're getting run over. Yeah, absolutely. So we're both doubling down. All right. We're going to move to the main card now. We're going to start with the main card opener, which, look, I'm happy this is a main card opener. I think this might be one of the best main card openers you could make at the current point. You know, featherweight division. I literally just did a video on this fight yesterday. Uh, Bryce Mitchell, the number nine ranked fighter, thug nasty, excellent jujitsu. Going up against the undefeated, and both guys are undefeated, actually. I think the combined record of both guys is 27-0 and 0 as uh, undefeated as a professional. You got Ilya El Matador Taporia, who's ranked 14th in the division as well. Uh, Mitchell versus Taporia. Why don't you start us off? Man, the flat earther himself. Thug <laughs> nasty. Bryce Mitchell taking on a freaking beast in Taporia, man. I'll start off by complimenting Bryce Mitchell. He looked real good against Edson Barbosa. Mm -hmm. That was a big step up in competition. I didn't know how he would deal with the striking. He didn't even have to. He just bypassed it. He hit those takedowns nice, was able to control Edson Barbosa, and uh, went pretty dominantly, man. I mean, you got to be impressed with him beating a guy like Edson because Edson was looking good before that. You know, I know Edson's getting up there in age a little bit, but uh, man, that's what, 36. Okay, never mind. 36, that's not too bad, but Edson Barbosa looked phenomenal against Shane Burgos. The Giga Chicago fight was freaking madness. Giga Chikadze is one of the best strikers in the world. I would know being at Kig's MMA, I avoid sparring with that dude at all costs. I don't want no smoke with Giga Chikadze. <laughs> That body kick is serious. I got to go to uh, Henry Cejudo's house, and uh, I asked Henry Cejudo um, about uh, about about potentially fighting Giga Chikadze. Henry Cejudo was like, "Fuck that! I, I have no plans of eating those kicks." And uh, you know, so Ed, Edson, um, no, no shame in losing there. And then, sure enough, you know, Bryce Mitchell dominates him. So I think Bryce Mitchell is, um, you know, I wonder how good he really is because Taporia is going to be more than a test. Taporia, uh -huh. like you yeah. said, all. So undefeated, coming off of that knockout over Jai Herbert, which Jai Herbert's a freaking problem, man. Yeah, um, you know, was able to ground and pound Uriah. Uh, excuse me, not Uriah Hall, not Uriah Hall, the <laughs> Ryan Hall, the heel hooker, um, was able to to get him out of there in the first round as well. When you're knocking people out in the first round consistently in the UFC, I gotta take notice, man. Taporia is a freaking problem. I think he punches Bryce Mitchell in the face and uh, and, and and hurts him in this one, man. I wonder if he can get him out of there though. The reason why I'm not going to go to Poria with a finish is because he is not better on the ground. He's going to have to avoid wrestling with Bryce Mitchell. Mm -hmm. He's got to avoid being underneath him. Even when he comes in for ground and pound, he's got to be careful because Bryce Mitchell is pretty 
pretty damn nasty on the mm-hmm. ground. Um, with that being said, if Bryce Mitchell wins, he's got to grind out a decision. Tough fight to pick, dude. I'm going to lean to Poria. I'm going to lean that you know he gets it done with his hands, and uh, Bryce Mitchell makes it to that final belt. Yeah, man, I, I agree with a lot of what you said, and like you said with the with the Barbosa fight, I picked Barbosa to beat Bryce because I mean, aside from the Giga Chikadze fight. You know, Edson looked fucking good at featherweight. He's looked pretty damn good. I picked him to knock out Shane Burgos. He got it done. But I I figured, like, he wasn't going to be able to contest with him on the feet. And you know what? Bryce Mitchell shut me the hell up when he dropped Edson right up against the cage. And when he dropped him, I was like, holy shit. I'm like, he he just dropped Edson Barbosa, and this guy isn't even a striker. I think that... I think the thing that Mitchell is pretty good at that maybe people don't give him credit for because he's such a heavy reliance on the grappling and the jiu-jitsu side is his ability to move in and out of the pocket. Like his striking is not that great. He doesn't have the best punches. He doesn't have the best kicks. But everything he does on the feet is just to set up the grappling. You know, he's pretty good moving on the outside, moving in and out. But the thing with Taporia is, you know, if, if Bryce thinks he's good at moving in and out on the feet, Taporia is going to match him and then some. I just think the the technical ability that this guy has showcased, even like you said in the Jai Herbert fight, I mean, he got cracked with a lead high kick against Jai Herbert, where I guarantee you he was out before he hit the mat. And when he hit the mat, he woke back up. But he was able to get in on that takedown, get in on the hips, get that takedown on Herbert, got rocked again. But then, man, he he's so good at downloading the opponent's offense and coming back with counters on everything. His counter striking is elite. And I know we haven't seen him go up against the elite level yet at this, in this division, but I would venture to say, I think Taporia can hang with the elites of the elites at 145. That left body shot is ridiculous. A good jab, good in and out movement. You know, he's called the El Matador, right? But he moves like a matador. He fights people like a matador. He's in and out. He's very light on the feet. Kind of like a Wonder Boy Thompson, but a little bit like more closed off of his stance. And I just think that anytime this is on the feet, that Taporia is going to rip apart Bryce Mitchell. I think on the floor, I like you said, you know, Bryce is going to be, if he gets on top of Taporia, it's going to be a problem. But Taporia is so smart with the range and the distance. And we saw it in the Ryan Hall fight. I think he's going to be able to keep that distance and really not allow Bryce to get into the range where he can shoot those takedowns. I got Taporia knocking him out in the second round. Ooh, man, he's dangerous. He could get it done. Interesting that Taporia and Patty Pimblett are on the same yep. run, but they're not fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Interesting move there, UFC. Do you think the UFC was thinking, mm, Taporia might be a little tall of a task, for Patty Pimblett at this point, I would guess that that conversation was had because we all know Taporia and Patty Pimblett, ever after throwing hand sanitizer or whatever the hell happened at that hotel, that uh, that would be a super fun matchup. Here they are with different opponents. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it was interesting that they didn't make the fight. I would worry a little bit about the size of Patty Pimblett, just being able to like dictate the fight a little bit, especially maybe in the grappling aspects and keeping his distance. But man... You know, he got cracked on the chin in that UFC debut against, oh, his name, I'm forgetting his name. Who's the guy? He did like a right outside low kick switch to southpaw and cracked him right on the chin. Uh, I can't think of his name. I can't think of his name. Are we talking about Patty's debut? Yes. Patty's UFC debut was against Luigi. Vendramini. Vendramini. 
Yeah, Luigi Vendramini. That was it, right? That's it? Yeah, so like, you know, he had his chin right up in the air and got cracked. If Taporia hit Patty Pimblett with that shot, I'm pretty sure Patty would have gone to sleep. Oh, man, Taporia packs a freaking wallet, man. Yeah, Taporia, you could just see he throws with his hips. He throws with his glutes. You know, if you uh, if you actually hook up a crash test dummy and uh, and, and, then, and then put, um, you know, on these sports science shows, they have him throw punches. You throw with your lower body. Taporia is a great example of that, man. He uses his legs. He uses his lower body when he turns his hips over to throw punches. He puts people into other dimensions, man. That's a very dangerous guy for a Patty Pimblett at this point. That's why I think we're going to see Patty Pimblett, Jared Gordon instead. Yeah. Do you think that if both guys get past this test and have impressive performances, you think they make Taporia and Pimblet next at 55? Makes sense. Makes sense to me. Yeah, I'll buy a ticket. Man, that would be that would be crazy, man. I, I like look, I respect Patty Pimblet, and we're obviously gonna talk about him in a little bit, but I just like high level competition, even if we toss Taporia to the side. I don't think Patty's going to have that much success when he gets into the tops eight, nine, ten of the division. I don't even think it has to be top five. I think top ten to five. I mean, you're looking at guys like Mateus Gamrot, Armin Sarukian, Garam Kutataladze, Demir Ismagulov. I think all those guys give Patty a lot of problems. Oh yeah, I mean, at, at this point, Patty's not there yet. Um... Yeah, dude, especially, I mean, look at Benil Daryush's mm-hmm. last performance. Uh, what is he going to fight the former champ, Charles Oliveira? I don't know, man. They're, they're, I would I would keep Patty away from these, like, really high-level wrestlers. Uh, so I, even saying that Charles Oliveira matchup, that's even more fun than, um, you know, I don't know, a, a Gamrot or a, you know, Armin Saruki. And I feel like these, these guys who are stronger than him, who he can't take down, That'll probably be a problem for the baddie. But look, man, it's the fight game. You could you could lose a fight, win a fight. He could he could he could hover at the top. He doesn't have to uh, you know stay on this undefeated UFC streak he's on. You know he could definitely um, you know he's already what he's nineteen and three. So I mean he's he's lost a couple times already. He'll probably lose a couple times in the future. That's okay as long as they keep him up at the top. They keep him um, you know they, they they sort of keep him relevant uh, with, with with as far as his opposition goes. Obviously he's always going to be relevant with his. Uh, uh, ability to market himself and uh, hook up with Barstool Sports and Molly Meatball and produce all this content. Like the dude, the dude's a genius as far as that goes. But um, you know, as far as matchups go, it, uh, it's okay. Let let him go up to the top of the division. It'll be super fun when we're breaking down a Patty Pimblet fight where he's an underdog. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I I was excited to see him come into the UFC. Like I said, I don't have the highest hopes for him to get to the top, but I mean, every time he fights, you're going to watch. It doesn't matter if you like the guy, you hate the guy, you're somewhere in the middle. You're going to watch Patty Pimblett fight. 100%, man. 100%. It's can't miss. It's absolutely can't miss. He's quickly become one of the biggest stars in MMA. And good for him, man. He's hilarious. I mean, he's freaking funny. You ever hear what he said about uh, uh, Khabib being upset that Mike Tyson lighted a joint on his podcast? No. He's like, <laughs> he's like, you don't, you don't like show me. Like, you know, he's talking, he's talking like, I'm not even doing a good Patty Pimble. I'm not an Irish at that point. He's saying, he's saying that, you know, hey, you're on his show, man. Like, uh, you know, anyway, every single Patty Pimblet take is hilarious. And uh, give me more Patty Pimblet content. I'm in. Yeah. So, oh, absolutely, man. So with Taporia and Mitchell, 
We both got Taporia, right? I just can't see Mitchell getting it done. Taporia decision. He could get the knockout. All right, and I'll go Taporia second-round KO. I think he's going to land that left shot to the body. I honestly think it's going to be the same KO he got Jai Herbert with. I think he's going to trap him, boom, bop, right over the top, knock him out. He's going to hit him in the face, and as Bryce Mitchell falls, he might have an epiphany. Holy shit, gravity is real. This <laughs> is an oblate spheroid, and that's why when you look through a telescope, you'll see that all the other planets are also oblate spheroids. Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, everybody, we're back, and we are going to move to the next fight. So the next fight up that we're going to break down is going to be a battle in the welterweight division. I figured let's just go up the card. Robbie Lawler, ruthless Robbie Lawler, going up against Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, man, I'm going to be honest. I've always been a big fan of Robbie Lawler. I mean, back in Strike Force, back in, you know, when he was on his rise up to get the title, when he fought Hendricks at 171 before, you know, he got the belt. And it's like I've always been a Robbie fan, you know. But to be honest, I just think Ponzinibbio is going to beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, too bad, right? I'm rooting for Robbie too, man. What a freaking legend of the game. But uh, you're right. It's all about timing, man. And right now is not Robbie Lawler's time. He's 40 years old. You know, he, he was able to beat Nick Diaz. But beyond that, he's been losing to, to everybody else. And uh, Hans Anibio, absolutely way closer to his prime, right? 36 years old. And uh, it's gone to split decision with, uh, you know, Michelle Pea and, Giac Neal, I mean, I don't think this is going to be split, but I think Ponzi's going to look good out there. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, uh, Robbie's last fight was against Brian Barberina, correct? I believe so. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, so he fought Nick Diaz. I picked, you know what? I think I was going to pick Robbie, and then I had like the Nick Diaz fever where I feel like I had to pick him, and I picked him. <laughs> <laughs> I picked him. And then I was watching the fight, and I'm like, shit, man, Nick Diaz actually looks pretty good. Like, in the beginning, man, he looked like the old Nick Diaz. He was landing that shot to the body, coming over the top. But the longer the fight went, man, you could just see. I'm like, man, Nick is just he's, – he's getting put – like, Robbie was just putting it on him. Pictures that Nick was posting when he was like running a, a triathlon again or whatever. That's not the Nick that showed up, man. If he was in that type of physical condition, you could imagine him grinding that thing out and winning. And uh, you know, Nick Diaz gets credited as one of the toughest guys ever, but Robbie was, you know, sort of sort of able to make him quit. I mean, you know, let's let's be honest about it. In the third round, you know, literally the victory says retirement. You know, because that's what Nick Diaz did. He just decided to retire, and um, it was in the he had retired in the middle of the second uh, the third round so um yeah man it, it was it was a battle of guys who are not in their prime anymore and that's not what we're about to see brother we're about to see ponza nibio who wants to be he ponzi probably still thinks he wants a title shot man he's not done with this game mm -mm. he's right there at the top and uh you know this this will be a big time performance for him i'm gonna go ponza nibio all day can he get robbie lawler out of there that's pretty tough, right? Even, even mm -hmm. if you look at, 
You know, Colby Covington in 2019 couldn't get Robbie Lawler out of there. Neil Magny, um, you know, it, it's tough to do. I know Brian Barbarena was able to. Uh, Ponzinibbio might be able to. Um, you know, if, if you guys are thinking about betting on this one, I, I you know, if, if it's Robbie Lawler in there or somebody who's that tough, I generally would money line it because I'm not sure if he gets him out of there or not. But, uh, I mean, it, it would be crazy to say that Robbie Lawler would win this fight. That would just be insane. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I'd like to see Robbie come in and get a finish. I thought Brian Barberina, you know, even though he was a, a high-pressure striker, a high-volume guy, I thought that was a pretty favorable matchup for Robbie at that point because I figured, like, well, he's going to be there to get hit. He doesn't have the best defense. Like, maybe Robbie can crack him, and he cracked him a few times, but, you know, it was just the pace and the pressure, and Barberina just dominated him once the fight kept going. And I just don't, like... I feel like that fight in particular really just opened my eyes with Robbie. Like I was already knowing he was on his way down. I, I knew he was going to definitely, you know, not beat any of the top guys at this point. But I just, yeah, Ponza Nibio is a sharpshooter, man. I've actually interviewed uh, Haider Hassan from American Top Team. He was on Tough a couple times. Um, and he was talking about Ponza Nibio when he was going through that really bad staph infection when he had to be out of MMA for a really long time. And, you know, just singing his praises to how good the guy is, but how that injury and that sickness just really took him out of the game for a long time. But people don't remember, man. I mean, ain't nobody knocking out Neil Magny, but Ponzinibbio did it. Right. <laughs> good point, man. Good point. And yeah, Neil's a freaking problem. Uh, Neil and I used to do commentary together. I used to do commentary with Neil for uh, HFC, and uh, you know his fight IQ is really high. He's a, he's a durable guy. He's tall and, and, and able to grapple real well. And uh, you know you guys saw that against Daniel Rodriguez a couple weeks ago. Um, you know I, I, I got a lot of faith in Neil Magny. And, yeah, that was a very impressive uh, performance. Yeah, man, Neil Magny busted all my parlays that night. I had D Rod. <laughs> I had D-Rod in, like, everything. I was super confident against Neil. I just thought the stylistic matchup was, I don't know, I just thought D-Rod with that southpaw, Joe Schilling training partner, I thought he was going to be able to just dictate it. And, man, Neil just put that grappling on him like crazy, especially towards the end. Yeah, man. Yeah, Neil Magny's grappling is a lot better than Daniel Rodriguez. I think that came to fruition. Yeah, man, absolutely. But um, I mean, yeah, I just really don't see like, don't get me wrong. I would love to see Robbie Lawler come out here and get an upset and just freaking bomb away on Ponzinibbio. But I just don't see him, man. I think I think Ponzinibbio, I think he could get him out of there, but I don't think he has enough volume to get the ref to jump in. And I don't think he has the one hitter quitter shot to knock out Robbie Lawler. I don't think a lot of people can knock out Robbie with one shot aside from somebody named Tyron Woodley, who's moved over to uh, YouTube boxing for a little bit. But um, yeah, I just really don't like, I think decision is the right call. I think Ponzinibbio, but I think it's a clear decision. He might even get a 10, eight in there. I think we might get like a 29, 27 for Ponzinibbio. Right, right. Yeah, you, you generally see Ponzi going all rounds. Uh, I'll double up with you there. Um, but uh, it is possible he gets Robbie out of there. So for, for those of you even considering betting on this fight, you know, I know you're going to look at the odds and you're going to go, oh, man, maybe I'll take decision. Maybe I'll take finish. I, I, I would I would always caution, especially with the Robbie Lawler and Ponzi matchup, money line. And it's, it seems like a parlay piece to me for, for anybody betting. It doesn't seem like a, a straight bet because, um, you know, we, we're, we're not positive. On, 
on the finish. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a few people you can be positive with the finish. Conor McGregor is one of them. There's a few others, but <laughs> I would definitely not go with the finish in this one. But uh, yeah, I got Ponzinibbio all day. I think I think he makes it look easy. Yeah, man, the combined experience between these two. I mean, I think they'll go to war, and uh, I think it'll be a fun one. Yeah, man, I'm hoping it's back and forth, because that Barbarina fight was crazy before he got the finish, man. Like, Robbie and him were going at it. True, man, true. Well, what, what Brian Barbarina fight is not freaking madness? I know, dude. He, uh, I know Robbie and Luke, like, have a, a past, and I think they trained together. Because uh, didn't Robbie train under Henry Hoof for a little bit? Or am I, like, losing my mind? He was always American top team, wasn't he? Oh, man, that's tough to uh, my, my old coach, Pat Curran, used to train under Henry Hoof. I'm trying to remember. I, I don't recall Robbie Waller training there. Maybe maybe it wasn't them. But, man, I thought, like, if Robbie could have got a few wins together, Robbie Lawler and Vicente Luque would have been a banger. Course, yeah, Vicente, yeah, actually, that's interesting. Robbie's hands are pretty dangerous for Vicente. That, that'd be an interesting one. Everybody was picking Vicente Luque over Bilal Muhammad, and uh, you know, I stayed on Bilal and got that one. Um, yeah, I, I think Vicente Luque's hands might actually not be as good, especially as a prime Robbie Lawler, not as good as a prime Robbie Lawler. Um, and uh, yeah, that'd be a fun fight, though. I do like how they match up. UFC's been doing it right with Robbie matching up with like a Barbarena and a Nick Diaz. You know, these are fun fights. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess we'll move to the next one, uh, Patty Pimblet, because we already talked about him. We already talked about him earlier. Oh, absolutely, man. The only guy who can eat uh, frigging quarter pounders and whoppers for the entirety of his for entirety of his life before training camp, and then drop like an entire body and be shredded. <laughs> yeah man i mean i don't think he gets like huge i mean there was a picture where his face was like extremely bloated and he looked like he weighed like 245 and i'm like yeah i don't think that's right but you know daddy was saying the people close to him were texting him like hey man you know saw this recent picture you wanted to see if you were okay he's like what the fuck you know <laughs> uh, yeah man he gets fat but uh i think i think it's a little oversold at this point and he's uh i think he's gonna come in in shape against flash gordon yeah man i mean i'm gonna be honest man patty pimblett and jared gordon it's a good fight but i kind of feel like they should have given patty like a bigger name, not because I think Jared Gordon is an easy fight for Patty, because I absolutely don't think it's an easy fight. Jared Gordon isn't an easy fight for anybody, but I feel like maybe a bigger name, like even if they would have made the Taporia and Patty fight on this card, I would have been down for it. This, uh, you know, the, the, it's sort of like uh, everybody's like Connor should, fight, you know, when Connor was 140. Yeah. Connor, Connor should fight, you know, Chad Mendes and this and that. They gave, they gave him like Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it, it, it's like it's like they try to build these superstars, and um, you know, while while Jared Gordon is a tough customer, I do not think Jared Gordon is much of a contest with like any of the real top of the division. Man, mm -hmm. we're talking about the deepest division 
Yeah. In the UFC, man, when you weigh 155 pounds, you might have Islam Makachev standing across from you. You might, I mean, the list goes on and on. I think Benil Daryush absolutely blows him out of the water. I just think that Jared Gordon is not that A-plus level no. of the 155-pound division. And, um, you know, with that being said, I see what you're saying. It's almost like a risk-reward ratio. It's like, okay, so so we're not going to get a big name across from Patty Pimlet. He's not going to get his street credit from this fight. So what, it's going to be an easy win? Well, no, because Jared Gordon is a real step-up in comp- competition. You know, this, this is not um, some of the opposition that Patty Pimlet's already seen. This is not Jordan Levitt. You know, this is somebody who is definitely going to be more dangerous. And uh, Patty's going to be tested in this fight. And honestly, we've seen Patty in some competitive fights previously. So I think that's part of the reason why the UFC is like, okay, pump the brakes. Let's not give him Taporia. Let's not give him anything crazy. Let's make sure that he comes up right. And um, and I'll just go right into the breakdown. I do think Patty Pimblett does win this fight. I think he's a much better grappler, especially in the top position. It will be hard to get Jared Flash Gordon down, but once he does get him down, or even in the, in the clinch, I do think Patty Pimblett starts to take this thing over. And if he's going, how's the time, man? Jared Gordon has been knocked out viciously multiple times in his career. Right, the, right, the Joaquin Silva, Silva knockout, the Charles Oliveira knockout, the Diego Fajan knockout. I mean, some of these were really nasty. If Paddy Pimlet can let his hands go in this fight, mm-hmm. it would be really fun to see what he can do on the feet because as he moves up this division, bro, I don't see him being able to strike with some of these guys. Here's an opportunity for him to show us that he's a mixed martial artist. Yeah, no, I I, I mean, I'll basically just second everything that you said. I Like I said, it's a tough fight. It's not an easy fight. Jared Gordon's been in there with the best of them. I believe he fought Charles Oliveira back in the day, and I think Oliveira actually knocked him out. Am I correct with that one? Yeah, Charles Oliveira hit him with some big shots on the fence. Jared Gordon's back was uh, on the fence in that fight. And uh, Charles Oliver, I believe it was an overhand right, if I'm not mistaken, like put a hook on him in an overhand right. And I, I just remember when the referee jumped in, it was like a bizarre one where, uh, where, where, where Charles had to like roll over the referee. Yeah. Flash Gordon was out and in a strange spot. He was like, you know, curled over against the fence. Uh, yeah. it, it was a pretty ugly KO, man. And so, um, yes, he got put out by Charles Bronx. Yeah, man. I think, I think Patty... Um, Although I think Gordon is going to be competitive, I don't necessarily think that Gordon's better than Patty anywhere. I think he might be a little bit better on the feet defensively, and maybe we'll see his defense show a little bit better in this fight because, like you said, Patty does keep his chin up in the air. He does lunge in on some of his shots. Kind of reminds me like when he throws his straight shots of a Drickus Duplessis, which we talked about earlier. You know, they kind of lunge in. They lunge in with their straight shots, and they just go balls to the wall. They're like, well, I can get hit, but I know I can take it. And I feel like that's kind of what Patty is. It's kind of like Conor McGregor. He does not have the technical striking of a Conor McGregor. So before everybody jumps down my throat and jumps in the comments, I'm not saying that. But the way that they commit on their straight shots, like, you know, Conor doesn't tuck his chin, but he'll move his head off the center line. Patty's head's going to be in the same spot. It's like a stop sign. You hit it, it's going to be there. But can you get through? Can you get through the straight punches? I mean, I think that Patty can get through this fight and look impressive. I think Gordon's going to give him some trouble, but I think Gordon's going to get submitted. There you go. All right, we got a Pimblet submission pick. Patty is kind of a finisher, isn't he? Um, damn, that's interesting. I wasn't even thinking of Patty finishing this fight. Here, I'm just thinking like decision. But yeah, Patty's been strangling everybody, so that's possible, man. A Patty Rooney can choke. That might be a good call. 
Yeah, man. Are you so you're going patty decision? I, that was my instinct in this one, man. I think it's gonna be pretty hard to get to get Jared Gordon out of there. Um, you know, Jared, Jared Gordon. Um, he did lose to Grant Dawson via Renee Choke, but Grant Dawson. I mean, yeah. how good did he look against Mark Madsen? Holy shit! Bro. Yeah, man. I think Grant Dawson beats the shit out of Patty Pimblett. So <laughs> I don't. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think uh, that's the same level. Patty could get him out of there with the rear naked, though. I like that. I like that. Uh, that call there by you. Um, I'm gonna have to sit on that one. My, I must say, my initial instinct was Patty with the decision, uh, getting a little bit of wrestling going, getting some clinching going, getting working from the top position. And, uh, you know, Jared Gordon kind of just gotten it out. Yeah, I could definitely see the decision. I, I, the only reason I picked the finish is, well, number one, Patty got a rear naked choke in his last fight. Um, I think he got a submission against the last guy that he just beat. And, um, I feel like Gordon is so good in the grappling. Patty's going to be a little bit better at handling those scrambles. And I think Gordon's going to give up his back in one of those scrambles and get submitted. That's the problem with like a Michael Chandler or any of these wrestlers who try to stand up once you take them down. In jiu-jitsu, they don't teach you to stand up that way. You know, the first thing you learn in, in jiu-jitsu is like shrimping and how, mm-hmm. to, um, how to do a – we call it in the Midwest anyway, a kickstand get-up. Mm-hmm. What am I saying? You're in Illinois. Yeah, we call it the same thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 kickstand get-up, right? I came out here to California. Everybody calls it a technical stand-up. Yeah. Whatever you want to say, it's when you post your hand and you keep the person in front of you. The reason why you keep the person in front of you is because the whole human body works that way. I see, smell, taste. I mean, my arms work that way. You ever had an itch in the middle of your back? You can't even get to it. Yeah. You know, you're you're very vulnerable back there. You let somebody wrap up your back, and that's a huge problem. And uh, if Jared Gordon makes that mistake, he deserves to get strangled. Yeah, I think we would be surprised. And this goes, this is just general MMA, general high-level UFC Bellator. I think we would be surprised how many dominant fighters, if they got their back taken by even maybe not like the top of the division, how many of them would get submitted? Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, especially like when you're talking about world-class jiu-jitsu, you know, you, you see how like, uh, you know, well, this is the highest level, but Gordon Ryan and, and Nicky Rodriguez, the way they can finish rear naked strangles, man, I think uh, UFC fighters could really take note. You know, it is the best submission, and the reason why is because you're just attacking your opponent in the worst possible way. They're, they're, they're facing away from you. The arteries are exposed. Very hard to deal with, and even if you tuck your chin, they don't give a shit. The Don Hurt Death Squad is just going to face smash you, and they're going to go ahead and take your jaw and bury it into your arteries. So, um, you know, Khabib sort of did it to Connor, right? Connor tucked his chin. Yep. And then, uh, you know, I remember Joe Rogan and Dominic Cruz arguing over whether it was a neck crank. It doesn't really matter because you could just bring the jaw right into the arteries to get somebody to pass out. So, uh, yeah, rear naked strangle. Big, big problem to deal with. I don't care who you are. If you're a human being, it's going to be uh, you're going to be very susceptible to that submission. Yep, absolutely. And since we're talking about like beautiful ways to set up the rear naked choke, I- I'm going to be honest. My favorite rear naked choke finish was GSP against Bisping because the way he grabbed it when he got Bisping's neck and he slid that palm down on his chest and cut that extra space between it, I knew that it was a wrap right from there. Yeah, man, that was a beautiful one. GSP up a weight class and, uh, you know, having kind of a tough fight with this thing. I think GSP thought he was going to dominate that fight. I know that they trained together in the gym and that gave GSP this little bit of confidence. Like, you know what? I think I could beat this guy. And, uh, you know, they had a good fight going. So it was cool to see GSP get a finish. You know, the number one criticism against George St. Pierre was that he doesn't finish fights. Well, he made sure to go out with a nice finish. 
Yeah, man. I'm really sad that he left because, I mean, there's a couple guys I would like to have seen him go up against, especially after beating Bisping. But, yeah, dude, the freaking – even if they did a grappling match, I would pay for it. If they did GSP versus Khabib at, like, a CFFC grappling match, I mean, obviously it wouldn't be in CFFC, but that would be extremely interesting to me because – the only man to ever take down GSP besides Johnny Hendricks was Josh Koscheck. And even the, like, I just, I know Habib, I'm going to be honest. I think Habib would probably beat him. And I love GSP. GSP is literally my number one all-time favorite. He got me into MMA, but I just think Habib would beat him if it was straight grappling. I just really don't see GSP winning that one. That's, that's funny you say that because uh, I'm, I'm going to go with GSP specifically because right now, GSP's been training with Gordon Ryan. He's been training with the Donahue Death Squad for years now. I mean, he did the entire ADCC camp with Gordon Ryan. Uh, mm-hmm. Khabib would get leg locked easily against these these, uh, mm. these high-level leg lockers. Yeah. They, don't, they don't train leg locks like that because in mixed martial arts, if your head's on the canvas, you could get punched in the face. That could go really bad for you. Just ask Gary Tonin. He got right. knocked out in one FC in the title fight. But no strikes. Now we're talking about total freedom to dive on the legs, man. I think GSP would surprise Khabib. I think he would shoot in on his leg, and no matter what he had, a single leg, whatever he's hanging on to, he would jump on those legs. Khabib would not even speak that language, man. He, I guarantee you Habib doesn't even know what honey hole is. He doesn't even know what Ashigarami is. It would be a total mismatch. GSP would leg lock him quick. If it was an MMA fight, would you take GSP or Khabib? In a mixed martial arts fight, it's totally different because GSP would be silly to try to dive on Khabib's legs. You don't want to end up right. underneath Khabib yeah. in a mixed martial arts fight. You're going to get smushed. I don't care if you're GSP or not. So GSP would have to fight totally differently. He would have to use his striking and his shots from the outside. Yeah. Now, a lot of people are saying these are the two best wrestlers, right? You even mentioned Josh Koscheck took him down. But the real story there is he out-wrestled Division One wrestler Josh Koscheck not once but in, in twice. Yeah. Know? And uh, he, he was really able to go off of his jab, jab, jab and yep. set up that shot, which is totally different when, from what Habib does. Habib's shot from the outside isn't even that good. What is good is once he gets to your body, yeah. once he gets to your body, he can grab you, push you into the fence, try to push you through that fence like cheese through a cheese grater, and he is going to try to just drag you onto the ground and smash you. That is a lot different than what GSP does. If GSP keeps the fight in the center of the cage, if he uses his jab, uses his superior size, uses his timing that's how he can even put Khabib on his back and I'll tell you what if Khabib's on his back underneath GSP it's going to be a big problem for Khabib I see them being in a competitive fight for sure but if we're talking primes I gotta go GSP man I think he outboxes Khabib he doesn't use many kicks so he doesn't get him caught he keeps the fight in the center of the cage he's too damn smart he's a little bit bigger it's going to really come into play because Khabib just absolutely bullies people and uh, I don't think he'd be able to bully GSP the same way man i like what george said about how he would have to fight he actually said that on the lex friedman podcast if you guys are interested and uh, that is the exact game plan he would need to use george is too damn smart bro i'm going i'm going (laughs) yeah man i uh that's interesting um i was really surprised that you picked gsp in the grappling match but then i mean you got to remember gordon ryan i mean john donaher donaher is like the hannibal lecter of brazilian jiu-jitsu i'm I mean, the guy, the guy knows, I mean, just listening to the guy talk, like it's one of the scariest people you've heard talk, but he can also put you to sleep with the way that he talks to you. Like, 
genius man. He's an Ivy League college professor. You know, went to Columbia and is like a philosopher. You know, is a uh, and a martial arts philosopher too, right? And uh, I got to interview him way back, way back when he was cornering uh, um, Chris Weidman against Damian Maya. Okay. Back fight right there. Yeah. Yeah. Chicago. And, um, you know, I didn't know much about John back then, and, and I started studying him a lot more after I interviewed him because I was like, damn, this guy, when, when John gives an answer, it always is based on research, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, most people just sort of talk off the cuff. John always digs into all of this research that he's done, and he talks about things that he might as, he might as well be writing a damn book when he responds because it, it's hard to argue with anything he says. He comes from such a, you know, a evidence-based approach, first principles thinking approach, right? He uses the scientific method in martial arts, and it's beautiful to see because that's what he's been able to come up with is just world champions and very high percentage techniques, and uh, he's able to sort of cut through all the bullshit and just think what's most fundamentally true, and the biggest thing that was being neglected was leg locks so mm-hmm. he really contributed to the sport in a big way man i think that uh john donaher in the corner of gsp it's a big problem for khabib and uh you know like i said i really think khabib struggles with leg lockers if they were to do pro grappling and it's not just gsp man i think gary tonin leg locks him i think uh you know eddie cummings leg locks mm-hmm. him i think they're the, the high level leg lockers i don't think dagestanis are ready for that shit you think ryan hall could leg lock him Interesting. You're talking MMA, though, bro? No, just grappling. They're going to they're gonna have a rude awakening. But in straight grappling, where I could just go for it, he could defend it. I could go for it again, he could defend it. Yes, I think Ryan Hall could be successful against him. With that being said, Khabib is so much stronger than Ryan Hall. Yeah. Ryan Hall, the, the difference between like a Ryan Hall and an Eddie Cummings, or the difference between like a Ryan Hall and a Garrett Tonin, it's actually really wide, bro. There are levels to this shit. Yeah. And uh, the, the best leg lockers in the world are... are Way better than Well, yeah, when you're talking like strict grapplers and high level guys, like you said, like those names like Gary Tonin, like, you know, Gordon Ryan. I mean, I think if they go up against any MMA fighter in grappling, they're going to beat them, except for, I mean, honestly, I think one of the best grapplers right now, which I'm actually kind of sad we didn't get to see it in their fight at UFC 280. Man, Sean Brady's a fucking problem. <laughs> to see he couldn't grapple with um, Bilal Muhammad because obviously you would think he would want to get a hold of Bilal and drag him onto the ground. Yeah, man. I, I was really, really confident in Brady going into that fight. I mean, I don't think I was more confident in any pick on the card than I was with Brady beating Bilal. And when he knocked him out, I was just like, well, if this is going to show me how the rest of the night's going to go, then I don't know about this. <laughs> He's, uh, you know, I used to, I, I've rolled with Bilal before and, uh, you know, I used to mop the mats after he was done at UFC Gym Oak Lawn in Illinois. And, uh, you know, I've seen Bilal from the beginning training with Lewis Taylor and, uh, you know, all those beasts out there. And, um, you know, so it was cool to see him go to Abu Dhabi and get in that training camp with them. I really think he gave him that mental edge he needed. And uh, he just went out there and just ran right through Sean Brady, put it on him on the feet and uh, showed us that he can knock people out too. I mean, yeah, Bilal Muhammad, remember the name. Yeah, man, absolutely. And after that win, I think he made everybody remember the name. Yeah, 100%, man, 100%. I think he was an underdog there. 
I don't know how many times I've won money off of betting on Bilal Muhammad, but it, it's north of four. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've lost money betting against Bilal Muhammad, <laughs> but it might be north of four, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man listen we're good okay so we're gonna move on to the co-main event and honestly when you think of pick em fights in mma pick em fights in the light heavyweight division this is this is one of them i mean in my opinion this is as close to a pick em as you can get and i know on the odds they have magomed ankalaev as a minus 225 i think he could look like that or look higher than that as a favorite, but it should be a pick in my opinion. Blahovich is not somebody to be fucked with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's well put, man. The, the, the Polish power, uh, you know. So, yeah, my uh, I got some Polish blood in me myself, so I've been rooting for Blahovich for a long time. But, uh, man, I no, I think he's going to struggle against Ankalaev, man. I think Ankalaev is going to be a problem for him. Magomed is just on a roll here, man. Um, you know, it, it's been very impressive to see what he's been able to do against Thiago Santos, Volkanos, Demir, Anthony Smith, Keita Krylov, Ian Kutalaba. Dude, that's a pretty serious schedule. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's, he's looked pretty damn good. And then Jan, too. I mean, I liked how Jan was able to bounce back against Rakic. You know, that was pretty impressive. And uh, obviously ended with that, uh, that injury to Rakic's mm -hmm. leg. But Dude, he was looking good in that fight. And, uh, you know, besides that Glover Teixeira performance, look at his streak. Israel Adesanya, Dominic Reyes, Corey Anderson, Jacare Souza, Luke Rockhold. Bro, that is pretty damn impressive. So uh, a pretty solid light heavyweight fight here, and I'm excited to see it. How am I going to go against Magomed Ankalaev? I, just, I yeah. can't do it. I think Magomed Ankalaev is, um, you know, silently probably the best light heavyweight in uh, the UFC right now, mm -hmm. um, I, I know people are gonna they they hate when I say this, but I really do think Bellator has the two best light heavyweights right now in um, in, in Corey Anderson and Vadim Nemkov. Corey Anderson mm -hmm. good, training with Mark Henry really shelled up his boxing, looks so good. They had such a freaking good fight in Chicago, and um, you know, and and and, and they went they went to freaking war. So I feel like those are the two best right up there with them. I mean, it, they would have to fight to see Magomed Ankalaev, Jan Blahovich. Um, those are just phenomenal uh, light heavyweights, and I'm excited to see it, man. I'll tell you what, I think this is a close fight. I think they go to war. The wrestling's obviously got a fair favor out the Russian on Goliath, mm -hmm. and, and the punching power obviously obviously favors Blahovich. I just got to go with um, I got to go with Ankalaev here, man. I'll take him in a decision. Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you and go with the side of Ankalaev. I think that. When it comes to Blahovich, he is technical in the way that he strikes, but I don't think I've seen anybody be a better outside fighter at light heavyweight at the current point in MMA than Magomed Ankalaev. Like the way he's able to fight fight with his foot on the outside, keep that outside foot, keep those angles, and constantly be pivoting and angle changing. And, and like I don't think people understand like it's it's easier for the guys in the lower weight classes to do it, but to be able to move that effortlessly at light heavyweight and get that outside foot, get those angles, move in and out with your straight punches, that is not easy to do in the light heavyweight division. And Ankalaev makes it look easy. Yeah, he's so relaxed when he's doing it, bro. He's so relaxed up there and uh, pretty like 
you know, conservative style. Like, Ankalaev is the type of guy to bet on because he's not out there just biting down on his mouthpiece swinging haymakers. Like, the, the dude is very calculated. So it'll be tough for Blahovich to capitalize because Blahovich can blast you when you get stupid. Ankalaev doesn't get stupid. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I picked against Ankalaev when he fought Anthony Smith. And I feel really stupid. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> But, like, going into that fight, I thought Smith was going to be a big test for Ankalaev. It was his biggest test at that point. And in my opinion, I was like, man, Smith has shut a lot of these guys down. I mean, you look at the Jimmy Crute fight. You look at the Ryan Spann fight. You know, a lot of people were going against Anthony Smith, and he shut so many people down. I'm like, I don't know. But Ankalaev didn't just beat him. He dominated him. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, to be fair, I've been picking against Anthony Smith this whole time as well, you know. Unfortunately for, for Mr. Smith, I mean, we got to we gotta respect the guy. You know, he sits behind the desk. He's smart enough to do some analyst work. He's definitely got a ton of experience underneath him. However, <clears throat> you know, against like a uh, – against a Magomed on Kaliev. I got to take a Magomed on Kaliev all day, man. I mean, Anthony Smith – you know, with all that experience, he's got 17 losses. Mm-hmm. I mean, Magomed Ankalaev, 18 and 1, it, it, it's, it's quite a streak he's on. And uh, I don't think it stops here, dude. You know, I think it's uh, a little bit similar in the sense that he's against a very experienced opponent who's mm-hmm. been up there and been at the top of the game and had the title and all this. You know, Anthony Smith, of course, fought for it. Um, and, uh, you know, I just I just feel like he's on this streak right now. Nobody's going to stop it. He's not going to make any stupid mistakes. He's going to win every round. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this is going to look very similar to the Blahovich and Adesanya fight, but I think it's going to be more of Magomed's playing the role of Blahovich and Blahovich is playing the role of Adesanya. I think that like the thing that makes Blahovich so good is number one, his power, but it's the blitzing combinations. And I feel like that's the kind of a, a trend going through this card. Like he's so good at blitzing in and catching you. I mean, he's so good at catching you off the break um, when he breaks off the clinch like he did against Rockhold. Those opportunities aren't there against an Ankalaev. You're not going to get close enough to get in the clinch. If you do, he's going to take you down and put you on your ass. Like, I, I just really don't see an area where Blahovich wins this unless Ankalaev gets stupid and gets caught by a big shot. But Ankalaev's not the guy. Yeah. Yep. That's what I mean. Like, if he hits him, he can knock him out. But I just don't think Ankalaev's going to be there to be hit. I think he's going to be a ghost for 15 minutes. And every time Blahovich tries to hit, he's going to be hitting a shadow. And I think it's a 30-27 for Ankalaev. There, man. In a good fight and a, a great light heavyweight matchup, it's the right fight to make. The winner should get a title shot. Excited to see it. Yeah, man. Absolutely. All right. I feel like this main event breakdown isn't going to be as in depth as some people want it to be. And maybe that's just me. But we've got the light heavyweight title fight between the champion and Yuri Prohaska that literally, okay, I just made a list of the top 10 upsets of the last decade in the UFC. And I put Prohaska over to Shara on that list, not because I thought it was an upset that Prohaska beat him, but I thought it was a very big upset that Prohaska got that submission, especially at the end of the round. And that is the last thing I ever would have expected from Jiri would have been to submit uh, Glover to Shara. I think him to submit Glover was like plus 2,500. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, of course, who would have predicted, right? But that's the sport we are in, my friend. That is mixed martial arts for you. You know, when you start getting it done on the feet, you start breaking somebody down. And Glover, obviously, trying to have a grapple-heavy approach was uh, getting a little tired. And, uh, you know, we, we got to remember, Glover's 43 years old. You know, back, uh, you know, I remember when Brett Favre was the quarterback for the, uh, the, the Green Bay Packers. I mean, all you would hear about all day is how, how is this guy still playing? football he was only like 39 40 years old and like he's a first grandfather in the nfl <laughs> all he does is throw a freaking ball glover to is in there with four ounce gloves on banging it out with yuri prohaska in a cage like i mean glover's trying to be a cage fighting champion at 43 it's freaking impressive stuff i'm not shocked that in the fifth round you know he starts getting a little tired so um yeah with with 30 seconds left he taps out clover with the rear naked strangle absolute insanity um with the, with this with this rematch here man i gotta think he gets it done on the feet mm-hmm. i think yuri prohaska should let his kickboxing fly i want to see where his takedown defense is at i like that he went over there with henry Cejudo for a little bit he was trying to train with john jones i don't know what john jones was up to i won't speculate but uh, <laughs> you know I, I do think that yuri prohaska has really trying to work on the wrestling and if that's the case if share can't get him down i think share is getting knocked out yeah, no, you don't think uh, you don't think John Jones was over there eating horse meat with Alistair Overeem and hiding under the cages? <laughs> Man, I have no idea. I've been over there to Jackson too. I've sat down with uh, you know Craig Jackson and Mike Nickeljohnda, and uh, you know we, we we didn't talk about that on camera, but we we talked about that off camera a little bit. You know, some crazy shit, right? <laughs> I uh, dude, I I think I think that. Uh, I think that John Jones actually would have been an awesome training partner for Yuri Prohaska. Uh, but, oh, well, I mean, Yuri, Yuri it's, it's it's not that he needs a, a body like John's. John's is so unique, right? He's such a unique martial artist. It's just that Yuri needs that takedown defense. Yuri needs that explosive. Mm-hmm. He needs to get that underhook, jack that freaking underhook up, get off that fence. I want to see him have a sense of urgency about it because sometimes I see his hips out of position. His, uh, his, his balance is a little out of position. He's a little wild. Yuri Prohaska you know look at that haircut i mean the dude's just wild samurai i don't know he's, he's got a little bit of technical work to do in his grappling mm-hmm. as far as his striking is concerned he's dangerous as hell bro I, i've got to think that he's going to be a lot more dangerous than a 43 year old glover no look i couldn't have put it any better and here's the deal with this fight if glover was ever going to beat yuri it had to be in that last fight it's not going to happen now because now the only way that Glover was going to win that fight, he could have knocked him out on the feet, and he almost did if he wouldn't have shot in for that terrible takedown at that one point and go for that guillotine. He had a little bit of Dustin Poirier syndrome right there and jumped the guillotine when he didn't need to. And, um, like, other than that, though, it was going to be Glover's fight if he took him down, and we saw that. The only thing that's going to happen in this fight is that Yuri's takedown, submission, jiu-jitsu, defense, his scrambling is going to be, I would say, 30% better than it was in the last fight. And a 30% better uh, Yuri Prohaska on the mat means that he can be 80 to 90% more effective when it comes to the striking on the feet. And I think, like, okay, I picked this in the last fight, and I was kind of crazy for picking it, but I could see it. And he actually landed the strike. I picked him timing Glover going for a takedown and landing a knee right up the middle. He's did, He's done it on the regional scene. He did it in Ryzen. I think he's going to do it here. I think he's going to butcher Glover. Like, I think early it'll be competitive. I don't expect it to not be competitive in the first couple rounds. 
But I think Yuri's going to be so much more confident coming in here. And I think Glover's going to be so reliant on those takedowns. I think we're going to see Yuri fake a jab. Glover's going to shoot, and he's going to get caught with a knee right up the middle and knocked out. I like that specific prediction. That's interesting. A knee up the middle would make a lot of sense, right? Um, as far as Glover, you know, he, he, he likes to box. Uh, he does box pretty well. If he boxes his way into a clinch, I think that'd be a safer way to take Brasca down because you're right. When they're standing in the center of that cage, if Glover's changing levels and shooting, there's a lot of shit he's got to worry about. Uppercuts, elbows, knees. I mean, and when you close distance on Brasca, be prepared to be blasted. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Prohaska's, you know, young. I mean, he's, he's definitely going to be, um, I like how you said 30% better. I mean, I, he's definitely going to be very aware of what he needs to do to win this fight. The last fight was a perfect blueprint, and he's my age at 30 years old. And, uh, man, I, I think that uh, being in his prime right now is going to be a big deal, too. You know, I'm, we always just kind of wait for when, when these guys are going to fall off. I remember when, um, you know, when, when Conor McGregor was fighting, Floyd Mayweather and the whole world was was just saying Floyd 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 by absolute wipeout. It's always important to bring up like Floyd is in his forties. Whenever somebody hits that four mark, you got to start wondering what fight are they going to lose their chin? What fight are their is their timing not going to be right? When is that shoe going to drop? Uh -huh. And uh, who who knows of what type of Glover we see? So you know, people who think about betting on this fight, it's like. If you think about betting on Glover, just be careful. He can get it done. He absolutely is the better grappler. If this is an ADCC match, I'd go Glover all day. But with all the striking involved, the 25-minute fight, I got to go Prohaska. And, um, you know, I, I like your pick with knockout, dude. I think I'm going to double up with you and say knockout. I don't know that it'll be with the knee. I, I want to say that he's going to let his hands go a little more, maybe a, maybe a head kick, maybe some mm -hmm. punches, and, uh, you know, just try to try to put some ground and pound on Glover and get him out of there. Um, absolutely uh, you know interesting fun fight to watch and uh, just tops off a really exciting card man we're, we're both going Prohaska knockout absolutely man and the one thing I compare Yuri Prohaska to and I think this is why he has so much success the guy is a 205 pound version of Dominic Cruz like that's the way that I look when he went and fought Vulcan Uzdemir in his UFC debut I did a little bit of research and I picked Prohaska in that fight, like just going off of his old, like his rise and stuff. But I didn't know a whole lot about him. But seeing how effectively he was able to change stances, blitz in, stance change off the combinations. The guy reminds me of a Dominic Cruz at light heavyweight. And that's a problem for everybody. I don't care if a guy's coming up from middleweight. I don't care if Prohaska moves up to heavyweight. Like, I don't care. Prohaska is a problem for everybody. His defense is a problem for himself. But I think he's getting better with his defense like a little bit in every fight, not that much because he still gets cracked and Glover cracked him too. But I mean, yeah, he, he, I think his style is so unique for his weight class that he's going to be a problem for everybody. Yeah, no, no question about it, man. Absolutely, he's dangerous. You know, it, it's it's um, it, it's one of those things that where Prohaska's, it's like the danger's really high, but the defense is not is not. You know, it's not Floyd Mayweather's yeah. defense. Now that I now that I brought Floyd up, you know, it, it it's definitely he's available to be punched. 
He's available to be submitted. He's available to be taken down. He is just also a freaking weapon. He uses his body as a weapon, just like a samurai sword. And uh, I, I do think that uh, he can beat anybody, but he could also potentially lose to a lot of the best light heavyweights in the world. I don't see him hanging on to that belt for a long period of time. As far as next Saturday against over to Shara, I think he'll get the job done, though. Yeah, I'm going to go with a... I'll give I'll give the round too, I guess. I did the round in the other ones. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go second round knockout, timing that knee on a takedown. I think it's way earlier. I think it's a much more dominant performance from Yuri. And like I said, I think the only way that Glover was gonna win that fight was the first time. And this time we're on the Pro Hoska Express, baby. I don't see it stopping anytime soon. I could see an early KO. You know, the, the other way the fight goes is that Glover keeps pressuring him, keeps trying to grapple, keeps trying to dirty box in tight, and we go a little later. And, uh, you know, the other way he beats Glover is tiring the old man out. So I'll, I'll take that knockout a little later. Let's go. Let's go round five. Oh, round five again. Interesting. Interesting. That would be crazy if it was like the same, like last minute of the fifth round and he knocks him out and the for last time he submitted him. That would be insane. Uh, he's going to test that cardio, man. That would be another way for him to get it done. I do like your uh, prediction on the second round, though. That is completely possible. I could see a fresh year for Hoska being as dangerous as possible, and uh, that being a problem for Glover. You know, I, we, un unfortunately, we lost Anthony Rumble Johnson, but I was watching that, that Rumble knockout of Glover to share. Oh, my like, God. You, know, the, you, you <laughs> can blast Glover, and, and if Hoska can get that done, that would, be, that would be the statement he's looking for. Dude, I remember that. That was the McGregor Diaz 2 card, I remember, and – Dude, the fight literally just started. Left hook to block that right hand, right uppercut up the middle, and that was it. I was like, dude, for real? Like that early? <laughs> right. And a dude moving up from 170 pounds. What a story, right? I mean, a, a guy hitting that hard who used to be a welterweight. Dude. Yeah, I'll rest in peace, Rumble Johnson. I mean, the, the circumstances with all of that stuff and the illness that he had, I mean – it's crazy that we lost him so young, but you know, that's just, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like, you just look at like since COVID until now, like did everything's just like the most unexpected shit at the most unexpected time. <laughs> Ever since Trump won the election, in 2020, <laughs> I think that's where I'll start. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I, look, Rumble, Rumble Johnson was supposed to be in the Bellator light heavyweight tournament. I would have been working with him. It's weird to think that I, he, I was supposed to be interviewing him. I mean, he was supposed to be on these cards. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's really just, um, it, it, it's, it's just, it's just a big loss for mixed martial arts community, man. Rest in peace to the legends, to the, the, the hardest puncher, you know, I can think of Rumble Johnson. Yeah. Rest in peace to Rumble Johnson. And, uh, well, I mean, we covered the card. We we went top to bottom pretty much, especially with the main card. And I think we had a pretty good good time doing it. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to have a conversation maybe on Mike Finch's show sometime, or maybe I'll even touch base with AJ about Moneyline. You know, we generally have fighters on, but I thought your, your, your analysis was pretty good. And, uh, you know, I'm always going back to betting. So uh, it's fun. It's fun to do one of these where we're not even talking about like the betting odds. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so used to working with AJ DeVito on Moneyline and, and constantly talking about betting odds. So it was fun to do it this way. And, uh, you know, I got my own show, Mike Finch show, uh, right. my YouTube channel, Mike Finch. So, 
check that out. You guys could, um, you know, hit, hit me up at uh, Mike Finch MMA on Instagram. I post a lot of behind the scenes Bellator content, and uh, you know, I got I got a, a little. I was talking to uh, Yoel Romero the other day. I got some stuff to post, so I'll keep throwing stuff up there. And uh, just appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you for reaching out. Absolutely. Well, we'll touch on one more thing before you go. Since you wanted, since we brought up the betting, who is the best bet on the money line for two eighty two? Yeah. Um, you know, look, looking up and down this card, I, I, I'm pretty damn confident in Patty Pimblett. Pretty damn confident in Ankalaev. Um, I, I want to see what the odds are with Ponzinibbio and Lawler because that's probably the widest one, right? If Ponzinibbio is anything less than a three to one favorite, you got to smash the Ponzi line. But I expect that one to be pretty freaking wide. Uh, Taporia and Mitchell, I'm a little concerned about. You know, Mitchell definitely uh, could could hit the wrestling in that fight, could out grapple him. So I might stay away. Um, I think Drickus Duplessis is a is a solid one. You know, if, you, if you're looking at just uh, the odds and whatnot, I think Duplessis. I bet. I bet that'll be a close one i'm not even seeing the odds on tapology which is usually where i grab them off of so uh not i don't have the odds in front of me right now which is making me hesitate to answer that question but if the odds uh, are are even or in the favor of till i like that duplessy pick um mm-hmm. as far as like the 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 most confident picks on the card you've got to go ponzinibbio over robbie lawler unfortunately robbie lawler is not in his prime and ponzi should be able to look really good in that fight that's yeah. as close to a sure thing as you'll get. And uh, right underneath that, I would put Ankalaev and Blahovich. man. Ankalaev, uh should definitely be able to to coast through a Blahovich fight. And, um, you know, I think he deser- deserves his title shot, and he should show it. Yeah, no, I like your picks. If I'm going to give two, I think my number one, the last time I checked the odds, Taporia was at like a minus 170 or minus 140, somewhere around there. I could be different now, but if that's the odds, I think Taporia is the best pick on the card. I think Taporia on the money line because I feel like we're never going to get odds like that for Taporia ever again. I think if you're going to capitalize on good odds for Ilya Taporia, it's right now because you're never going to get him after this fight. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a big fight. I Like I said, I, I was I was liking Edson Barbosa against Bryce Mitchell. And when Bryce Mitchell Me too. Edson, I started thinking, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm underestimating this dude. So I don't know, bro. I'm going to stay away from betting against Bryce Mitchell. But I uh, I, I do like the Taporia pick. As you know, we're both on it. And Taporia uh, is a freaking dangerous man. I think that even his grappling is real good. So it's going to be a hell of a test for Bryce Mitchell. That's not a bad pick at all. No, and I, if I'm going to do a second one, I'll double up with you on Duplessis. I think against Till at this point, you just can't side with Till at all. Right. All right, right man. Yeah, I mean, coming, come, coming off of that layoff, you can't. So we got to see what he looks like against top, top competition. Like a Duplessis, man. I think Duplessis is going to be, you know, top, top 10 for a minute here in this division. And, uh, you know, it'd be too bad to have Darren Till, you know, have to come back on that fight. But, uh, you know, I think they'll, they'll, they'll find the right fight after this one. Uh, I'm rooting for Till anyway. Yeah, right. Absolutely. All right, man. Thank you for, uh, Thank you for coming on, and uh, you can catch Mike Finch on the Mike Finch Show. You can catch him on the Money Line with AJ DeVito. You can catch him working for Bellator and interviewing your favorite fighters over there in that promotion. You can check out my show over at the Touch Em Up podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker. Anywhere you can get a podcast, you can listen to this episode along with the rest of them. I hope you had a good time on this show, and I hope we get you back on again if you're down to do it. I'm down, brother. Thank you for having me. Thank you, man. Have a good night.